0: Well, tune in to another edition of the Driving the Bus podcast with Kalen and Scott, uh, where we're going to have Ryan Dietrich, CMT, Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial, uh, join us to talk about all things uh, with the economy. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, his broadcasting and social media career and his rise to the Chief Strategist at LPL Financial. Well, welcome back to another edition of Driving the C-Bus. I'm Scott McComb, your host, and uh, also here with uh, Kayla McComb, your co-host. Hello. And uh, we're, we've are we got a very special guest with us today, uh, Mr. Ryan Dietrich. And Ryan is a Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show. I'm honored to be here. This is uh, going to be a fun half hour. I can't wait. It is. We are actually uh, today broadcasting... Uh, Uh, We're recording, actually, um, uh, here at the A.C. Marriott in Dublin, uh, Bridge Park, and we're at the site of our uh, annual economic forum this year. So uh, Ryan's our speaker again uh, this year. This is your third year, I think, coming.
1: We had a skip last year. but We uh, did last year virtually. Oh, well, that's right. We I, I actually kind of forgot that too. I did so many virtuals, but we did last year virtually. So this is my third time in person, so fourth one all overall, fourth one we'll overall, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, so again, the economic
0: forum that we put on at Heartland Bank. It's actually presented by Heartland Planning Associates and sponsored by Overmeyer Hall. Um, we uh, we talk about uh, uh, all things germane to the local Central Ohio community, and then also get uh, a national perspective from from uh, somebody like Ryan, who uh, spends a lot of his time on on national TV and CNBC and Bloomberg and uh, other uh, radio and podcasts uh, uh, around the country about the economy. And so um, let's just dump right into, uh, you know, Ryan, the man, the legend, you know, how did you, uh, you know, come out of Xavier, right? And uh, how did you come out of there and decide
1: that you wanted to, to be a market strategist? Wow. I guess I didn't totally decide to be market strategist that soon, but what happened, first off, thanks for having me, Scott and Caitlin, this is going to be fun. Um, In 1999, when I remember the tech bubble, everything was going up. I did accounting as a major. I realized real fast, I didn't really like accounting, but I always had a mind for numbers and, and loved the idea of business, and my dad gave me some play money, quickly made a lot of money on margin. Everything was going up. You watch CNBC, you buy something that says we're networking in it and it went up. It was easy, right? Everyone, anyone can do this. Well, you see where this is going. Soon the market crashed. Um, I was on margin, on leverage, lost it all. But once I realized that I could have made money on the way down, or you know what? There's something called a value stock. Value stocks are actually up in 2001, 2002. It's not all just about tech. I said, wow, yeah, kids, there's y- such a thing y- as a value stock, y- even right now, you know, tech's not doing so well and there <laughs> are value stocks doing well. So it's kind of funny how history does repeat itself. But I was hooked and I just loved how every day was a little different, just the way that um, markets moved. And I, I, I always enjoyed public speaking. I mean, when you're young, you don't really know. And then eventually just we can get in more into the career here. But I just knew I love markets and I love talking about, you know, what's going on and telling stories and that's kind of when I was hooked, was in 99. And even the crash was an expensive experience, I guess you could say. But sometimes you have to pay to play, so to speak. We've all, when you start something, you, you're probably gonna make some mistakes. And are you willing to learn from them? And and I realized at a very young age that the market doesn't always care about my feelings, it doesn't care about your feelings. Sometimes stock market's gonna do whatever they wanna do. And, and we can't fight them necessarily. And there's a lot more to it than that. But I learned that at a young age and I'm, I'm glad I did.
2: I'm glad that there was a lot of people who learned that recently with the GameStop fiasco, with the market. Markets, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So many people over the past year have gotten into trading and getting into the high flyers. And what we're learning is sometimes high flyers can come back nearly just as quickly. Oh, and that's, yeah. we've we- seen this throughout history. I mean, this happened with the tulip bubble in the 1600s in Holland. This isn't the first time it's this has happened? Happen, it
0: right? with crypt- cryptocurrency as well.
1: Well, I'm limited to what I can say there, but we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> I live in a world of compliance. I can't go down that road. But you're right. I mean, there, there are always bubbles out there. Um, but also, if you follow the fundamentals, long-term, you follow these things and have a well-diversified portfolio, you're going to reach your long-term goals. When you get two into one boat, to one thing that's the hottest thing in the world and everybody's talking about it, a lot of good news is probably priced in
0: there you go how about uh so so um when you, you came out you had your accounting degree mm-hmm. right and then well, uh, I
1: switched I was accounting and then I went to finance should have went to that finance so okay, I, said, I, gotcha. I, don't, I don't care about balance sheets I, s- I want to so know then what happens did you go
0: <laughs> did you go right into strategy or mm-hmm. what were the steps maybe of, of the yeah. different points in your career to
1: to where you're at today yeah so I grew up in Springfield Ohio um Clark Clark County Springfield boy um and then I went to Xavier for four years then I worked at a transfer agent just to get some licenses um western southern big company down in Cincinnati transfer agent for them. And it was just a job, you know, out of school. I mean, I I didn't quite know what I wanted to do yet. I knew something with the market, got some Oh, I got my Series 6 and 63, started working in customer service. Mm-hmm. After about... Western Southern is mm-hmm. a
0: great company. They, they yeah. develop a lot of talent out of that they, company. They,
1: they do. They've grown massively as well, um, just since 20 years ago when I was there. Um, so then I stopped that and got my MBA at Miami. I did a full-time MBA thing. It took like a year to get my finance MBA up at Miami and Oxford. And I did that. And then after that, I was looking around for a job in a place called Schaefer's Investment Research it was in Cincinnati. Uh, they were looking for um, someone to join their research team and it's one of the few places in Cincinnati at least that did hardcore market research and you know, we were an options newsletter. What's that mean? Well, someone, you know, you'd pay us a thousand dollars, we'd tell you what to buy and what to sell. So I kind of got a trader's mentality doing that for 11 years uh, over time. I worked my way up, um, started doing the TV stuff in 2000, I think 2005 was my first TV hit. My very first TV hit ever was with Reggie Jackson. Yes, that Reggie Jackson, Mr. October. It was Bill Griffith, Ryan Dietrich, and Reggie Jackson. We bought like a spot. Back then you can like buy spots on TV. I don't even think you can do that anymore. But, um, you know, I was on and just kind of took off from there and then the financial crisis happened really made a name for myself I'm um, getting out there going on TV we were bullish in 2010 11 12 13 14 so I'd go on TV all the time being bullish everyone thinks oh, it was this easy bull market back then it wasn't a lot of people weren't producers would call say hey you still bullish I'd say yeah they say good because we can't find a bull so I would be all over the place doing that and after <laughs> and after 11 years of leverage that's not your zodiac sign no, no exactly um, but after, after I did that uh, for 11 years, I got a little tired of, you know, the short-term trader aspect. I said, you know what? I want to do. I work with clients. I want to work with people to create relationships. I became a portfolio manager at an RIA in Cincinnati. That crashed and burned on my 90th day. <laughs> they were bought out by Huntington Bank. And they said, um, you know, we don't need you anymore, new guy. So then I was a free agent and you know we can dive in more but big picture i did a lot with social media i was one of the first strategists to leverage twitter leverage linkedin and i've got a lot of twitter followers this day and i i do tweets and carl continue quotes me on tv you know it's neat to have those relationships but eventually i met an lpl advisor at a conference um, when you're losing your job you reach out to everyone you know and he said oh lpl needs a higher strategist got named jeff Kleintop had left lpl for schwab and one thing led to another and it all worked out and then i moved from Cincinnati, Ohio to Charlotte about six years ago now and I was hired as a senior market strategist. During the pandemic, I was promoted to chief market strategist. All it means is I'm busier. I'm more out of breath when I go to meetings. I'm usually late to meetings because I had the meeting right before that, but it, it, but it's still fun. <laughs> um, so that's a real quick version of my career, but I will say there's been a lot of doors that closed. I will say this, people say, oh, one door closes, another door opens. You want to punch the person in the face who says that to you when you're losing your job, you've got a wife, three kids, and you're like broke. I mean, I, I was in that situation December 15, like it wasn't good. But I knew I wanted that job with LPL. It took like five months to get the job interview, flew all over the country, but I was willing to take a risk, take a chance whatever you want to call it because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And it all worked out. And now um, I'm here. Yeah, doing my thing.
2: What are some of those learning lessons maybe either with LPL before your life at LPL that have kind of stuck with you to where you're at today?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, similar to what I just talked about. So some of the big takeaways that I've learned is again, just have faith in yourself. You know, at the end of the day, who's going to believe in you? Yourself, right? And, and, and I've always just kind of had this attitude that if I do what I should do, if I treat people the right way, if I if I go through life and enjoy what I'm doing, um, it's all going to work out. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way. I mean, we all have good days and bad days. There's no doubt about it. But I've always kind of felt that way. Also, I, I use this quote a lot. And, and what I found when I started doing social media and Twitter and, and, and communicating to people people liked learning about the past, right? And historically what's happened. So Mark Twain says history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And I've kind of made this niche for looking at the past and telling stories. Well, you know, last time the Fed hiked rates, three, four, five years, whatever, you know, the stats of what happened before, we've been there. Everything's happened under the sun when it comes to the economy and markets and things. So I like to uh, kind of tell a story because at the end of the day, I can talk about earnings, and fundamentals, and valuations, and people's eyes glaze over if you get into that. But when you tell stories and communicate on different levels, uh, I found that that really uh, works, and it's kind of my niche. I guess you could say.
2: Well, kind of, you know, jumping off the fact of history repeats itself. I, one of the things that I kind of wrote down here while you were talking is, you know, you said that you worked through the financial crisis. You kind yeah. of experienced that firsthand. I did not. I was just entering high school. Um, have you seen any trends in today's market, specifically the housing market? You know, one of the things that I I experienced recently with um, moving from Columbus and Clintonville out to Mount Vernon is housing prices are just astronomical right now and it seems like you know houses that maybe five years ago that that were appraising for half the price are selling for you know twice three times as much right now do you see any kind of comparisons to what's going on in today's market Um, like I said specifically the housing market that kind of remind you of of the financial crisis in 08
1: yeah I mean there are some things that are taking place that remind us but we don't think it's it's like that i mean we don't see as many people buying houses flipping them i mean you know the truth is net wealth in our country is at an all-time high of nearly 150 trillion dollars a lot of that is because our houses are all worth 20 25 more than they were just 18 months ago i live down in charlotte now i mean it is really crazy down there the the astronomical improvements in housing prices and and the wealth that is created so there's not quite as much leverage by nature companies could leverage 40 to one Um, before the financial crisis. Now they can only leverage like eight to one because there are rules in place now. So there's not as much leverage in the system. So if something bad were to happen, and and I'm not saying anything bad will happen, but hopefully we all live long Mm -hmm. enough for another recession. Hopefully we all live long enough for another bear market. It's going to happen eventually. Um, You know, but there's not as much leverage when it comes to companies. So that's one potential positive um, thing that that is out there. Yeah.
2: A wise HPA representative once told me it's not about what happens when the bad times come because bad times will eventually Mm -hmm. come. It's, It's how you prepare for it. What do you do ahead of time to set yourself up for dealing with those times?
1: Yeah, we, we, we say at OPL Research, the time to prepare for the storm is not during the eye of the storm, it's before the storm comes. Right. And markets are volatile economy can be volatile so get those plans in place because again it's the way we're wired <laughs> we make bad decisions at the worst possible time it's just the way our brains are wired so to have a plan in place you know if there's a 10 percent correction in the stock market 15 percent correction in the stock market we only had a five percent correction all of last year i think it's safe to say in our opinion this year being a midterm year we're going to have more volatility be aware of that coming in um it, it'll, it'll help it's still gonna be scary you turn on cnbc and they're all going to be talking about the end of the world coming that's just CBC. I do that a lot. And you want to talk about CBC a little bit here, so there is absolutely some hype when it comes to TV. That, that's just the truth, right? They're trying right. To get you got to keep the eyeballs
0: focused on you yeah. know on the if you if you right. say oh no everything is great just go ahead and take a nap and relax and, and think of daisies in the field you know.
2: <laughs> it's bad for ratings.
0: It's bad for ratings, right? Exactly. I mean, uh, dirty laundry, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's I, what uh, keeps people uh, it, tuned in,
1: you know. It is the truth. I mean, you know, I don't want to get too geeky with this, but the VIX, right, the volatility index. Some <laughs> listeners might know that if the VIX is high, it means markets are volatile. We'll keep that real simple. But there's an old saying, the higher the VIX, the higher the clicks, meaning like if you have a website or a blog or a podcast. I've got a podcast, LPL Market Signals, a weekly podcast. Our largest listenership last year was when? During the Five point two percent correction that we had during the evergreen. Remember when China was going to go under and bring the whole cu- the whole world with it? I mean, that's fortunately that didn't happen at all. But that was when we had our highest uh, listenership and highest blog views. So, from a you know consumer point of view, and someone who produces things. More volatility is almost a good thing because more people come to you because they feel like they need expertise um, when when the rocky times right. come. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the housing market is a function of, uh, is frankly a function of interest rates this
0: time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, solely about interest rates, right? So the, the banks themselves have never been better capitalized. Yeah. Credit quality in the financial uh, world right now has never been better. Uh, the federal government has pumped, you know, over $5 trillion into the economy. So everybody's kind of still on a sugar high, probably will be for, you know, another 12 to 18 months, right? Um, that's why we're seeing inflation, uh, you know, reap its head again at, at, at levels we haven't seen since the early 80s. And uh, and that's, there's just too many dollars chasing not enough products or services along with the effects of the supply chain, you know, through the pandemic. Um, but the big thing with the housing market that I see is that... Uh, uh it's a function of interest rates so let's let's face it uh, we have trained people in america to take a 30-year mortgage and so it's not about the cost of the house it's about how much payment i can afford and so if as, if, as long as the interest rates are low and money is free i uh, remember my first you know mortgage rate was uh percent and my i had to borrow my down payment my and tiny my father Charge me fifteen and a half percent, and I'm like, Dad, what the what the heck? You know, I mean, you're going to help me out. He says, Scott, you're high risk, and so I had to pay two percent more than what the market was. But you know, the, if you if you took you know, took some of the young people that are buying their first house today and said that the interest rate was going to be eight percent, they would freak out, and it would just cap the amount of uh, you know house they can afford, right? So it's uh, really the 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 market is about supply and demand, but it's more also about you know, what people can actually afford. And they're, they're basically rolling into a 30 year amortization, you know, so I don't know that we have a, uh, I don't see a housing bubble, per se, because these 30 year fixed mortgages are going to be very, very, very sticky, you know, so they're going to be around, I'm in love with my mortgage at 3% and never going to divorce that mortgage,
1: you know, and so I think everybody else will stay that way as well. No, those are great points. And the whole idea of interest rates and what people are paying on things think about this we know our country has over 30 trillion dollars worth of debt right but if you look at how much our country paid on its debt last year we paid less on our debt than we did in 2015 we had like 20 trillion dollars how is that possible because interest, interest, interest rates are so rates. much lower people right. don't quite realize that now listen this is the old if we went to sleep and woke up tomorrow and 10-year yield was at eight percent we'd probably be in some trouble, but we don't see that necessarily. We don't see that happening, fortunately, but that's the way it works. And you look at, um, I mentioned net wealth earlier. I mean, people always, the bugaboo, oh my goodness, look at all the debt that's out there. Yes, there's a lot of debt that's out there on consumers and businesses, but again, rates are lower, but the net wealth is higher. I called it denominator blindness because, oh my goodness, all this debt, but people are worth more, worth a lot more. We just talked about housing prices being up like 25% the last 18 months. So you're worth more. So you might have a little bit more debt. It doesn't blindly mean that you're making bad decisions or the economy is just going to fall apart because you use too much leverage, we're worth more. So you can have a little more debt with low rates, it makes sense. But again, we're going to get too excited someday, we're going to have too much problem down the road. We just don't see that happening over the next two well, years Well, the or so, average American is leveraged at least one-to-one, mm-hmm. if
0: yeah. you think about it, right? I mean, right. so they, people may uh, have a little bit of equity in their house and this and that thing, mm-hmm. but by and large, you know, people starting off, they're leveraged at least one-to-one, maybe even higher. So if you take a look at the uh, the United States economy and what our bottom line GDP is versus what our debt is, it's really not that far out of line. Mm-hmm. You know, Now, debt you know scares everybody, and they've got the debt clock going, and oh, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, uh, it, let's face it, if aliens land on the planet, they're not calling the French. Mm-hmm. They're not calling China, yeah. right? They're going to call the United States of America, and, and uh, yeah, we're the, still the world's reserve currency, the defender of the free world, of democracy and freedom uh all those great things which allow us to have our uh, you know be the reserve bank of uh the
1: of the planet in march of 2020 we all remember what stocks did they were crushed bonds were actually hit really hard the first three weeks gold was destroyed in march of 2020. you know what went up the u.s dollar the cleanest shirt and the dirty laundry it's not perfect but they they being the globe flocked to our currency because that was that was a reminder to us And a reminder to the rest of the world we have the world's reserve currency and when you have that the truth is you are playing by a different game you you can do a lot of leverage you can do a lot of debt because again i mean i just saw just literally this week um foreigners have bought more of our debt than ever before right i mean again remember when the china trade war was going on in 2018 china's going to sell all our debt and push our yields up and push us into recession china sold a lot of our debt japan just bought it Right, I mean, it was like what the end actually our largest it, debt holder now. They are because China right. was and China sold, but again, there, there is just a lot of demand for our debt because there's a lot of uh, confidence in the United States, the way our economy is, and the way we run things. It's just what it is, and we've got the reserve, world's reserve currency, which is um, a good place to be, and uh, hopefully, it'll be that way for everyone's lifetime. Listening to this podcast,
0: you know, getting into uh, uh, maybe some of the, the, the specifics and uh, some experiences you've had in the broadcast area, mm-hmm. you know. So here, here we're on our little podcast, and we have fun in Columbus and Northern Kentucky and, and Cincinnati and uh, and have great guests on. But, you know, you've been at CNBC, you've been at New York at the studios, you're on TV at least once a week or – you know, maybe more than that. Tell us about that experience. I mean, is it all that? Is it, uh, is it really chaos behind the scenes? Uh, is, is it that organized that everybody knows what they're doing? What's the story?
1: Yeah, so when I, when I get to go to New York, I haven't been there in a while, uh, hopefully I get to go back soon with the pandemic, but you know, I'll, I'll go on CNBC. And the thing that always reminds me about when you go on TV, you get there early, you go do makeup, like they put all this makeup on you, your face is orange, alright, because on TV, the orange face actually comes off normal. So and it's really hard to get the orange stuff off. You get like these baby wipes and get it off. So That always stands out to me is getting the makeup on and and doing that. But it's it, it's it's pretty organized. I mean, you get the makeup, you go to the blue room or green room, I guess. You sit there and wait, and then they send you, they scuttle you on, and you sit at the desk during the timeout, and you say maybe you know, hi, uh, Liz Liz Clayman from Fox, how you doing, Ryan? And that's it. And then you're live. You do your thing, and then you leave. It is it is pretty, um, you know pretty organized now, I will say this I was on uh, did a, a spot I think it was in early I think like February 2009 I was on Maria Bartiromo different people from the floor of the NYSE and that by the way the floor of the NYSE that is that is cool that's like the big time right you walk in the it's always on TV it looks larger the New York Stock Exchange. the New York sorry the New York Stock Exchange it, it looks smaller in person when you're there you're like oh it's in that big on TV it looks larger but still um, it is really an experience right like it's like, this is the Mecca, the NYSE, the New York Stock Exchange. But I did a spot with Maria, and she was really friendly. Like, like, afterwards, she shook everyone's hand and said, thank you for coming. Not all of them are like that. They've got a job. You know, we're just different guests that come on. So Maria's really neat. Charles Payne is, uh, from Fox Business is, is also a really good one. I'm a fan of Joe Kernan. A lot of listeners probably know Joe. Since Natty Guy went to St. X um, once in a while on TV. I've been on with Joe in person maybe twice. But when I'm on TV once a month with him in the morning, I usually bring up, hey, the Bengals. Or you know, when St. X won a state championship football two years ago, bring it up. So it's kind of fun to have those relationships. You've been doing it for a long time. Squawk again, box, right? Yeah, his squawk, exactly. Yep. Squawk box, six in the morning. Um, so it's just fun. I mean, Joe is Joe. Some people like him, some don't, but I, I, I think he's uh, he's kind of a crotchety guy, but that's what his role is, and that's what he does. I think he does it well. So so it, it, it is it is fun, but again, doing it in person from the New York Stock Exchange is, is really, really cool. I don't get too nervous before him anymore, but that's when you walk on that floor and you're about to go on TV, that's pretty special.
2: Is there anybody that you have, have either been with on the news or or met with that kind of surprised you maybe you were expecting them to be a certain way and and they just totally you know Hmm. either caught you off guard in a good way or or a bad way
1: well probably won't talk about the bad way then (laughs) (laughs) honestly I'm trying to think I mean Maria shocked me how friendly she was Maria this isn't this is the financial she's the money honey I mean Maria is the biggest thing there was I'm just some guy from Cincinnati showing up to go on TV and she was just very genuine like she legit thanked you for being there looked you in the eye and said thank you they don't all do that. I mean that I guess I'd say that surprised me, you know, honestly, with with uh, how big she is and was then. But she looked at you like a person, and those are the things that you know. Talk about take takeaways over you know 25 year career. I, t- I try to be that way. Yeah, you know, I try to just be the average guy and and thank people. And I'm on the other side of things now. Fortunately, when you know people come to me, usually when they're looking for a job or looking for help. And I I, I remember what it was like on the other side of that when you're struggling and trying to find a job or trying to just better yourself when you're asking people for help and. Sometimes they do, and sometimes they just blow you off, and it is what it is. So I do my very best to uh, try to help people. Maybe I can't always help, but I always reply. LinkedIn, I get all these, I get a lot, a lot of requests, right? I always try to at least reply and and offer some help because I'm on the other side of it. I try to remember what it was like when I was struggling.
0: Now, Ryan, you and your career are really a product, if you think about it, of technology, right? Because I mean, if you think about it. uh, you could you could be uh, up there talking about stocks and 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 funds and everything else to your blue in the face, but people weren't able in the, like if you did that in the 1990s, for instance, they would have to pick up the telephone and dial their broker to perform a trade, mm-hmm. right? And so you've come on the scene as the technology has been re- really revolutionized, you know, mm-hmm. and and for for the for the world, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you gotta remember, I remember in. Uh, in the 90s you know for instance i came to heartland bank to drive internet banking okay think about that folks oh. that it was computer banking home banking the you know.
2: world without the internet
0: exactly and and Scary. smartphones and all that now everything's right at your fingertips you can trade right away and so so the real-time advice the the commentary and all that has changed right over the course of time I
1: mean, it's now it's real time stuff no that's a great point and again i guess lucky from that point of view uh, with my career because again i i started on twitter i think it was february of 2009 right when twitter started financial crisis and it just kind of took off from there what i found when i would do social media posts was again Okay, stocks are cheap. What's that mean? You know, the last time the PE multiple was here, this is what happened next. I found that little story is what um, connected uh, me with people. And I've got a camera in my face, whether it be a YouTube, we've got a YouTube channel, LPL Research, my podcast, I do you know, blogs, LPLresearch.com, weekly commentaries. We do morning calls with our advisors every single morning. There's so many different ways, real time examples that, um, you know, I'm able to. Get my brand and lpl's brand out there very very quickly like you said in the 80s i don't even know how you would have built your brand necessarily but now you have to uh, leverage technology and it's um a wonderful uh it's been, it's been i joke my last three jobs i got because of twitter and it's kind of true i mean you know it's all on there i mean it, there's my resume you know right. linkedin and twitter as my resume and hey does yeah. that let, let's talk
0: about that for just a second does that scare you
2: that's what i was gonna ask
0: because i mean the fact matters we know we know that the the Technology companies mm-hmm. are picking sides. Mm-hmm. So, I mean,
1: are you afraid yeah. of getting canceled? Yeah. Well, I do my very best to not say anything too controversial. I try. You know, I mean, I, I, I maybe when I was younger, I might have said something a little more controversial. But with my job and my role now, with Twenty thousand advisors. Some lean right, some lean left. It is what it is. I try just to be very factual and to the point. So, but it is it is a good point. I mean, because of one stupid tweet or one stupid picture could decimate someone's career, and we we've seen that time time again. We will continue to see it. So it it's as much as it's helped me and helped other people. Let's be honest. It can tear you down just as fast. So I guess we have to um, have to remember that.
2: Well, that's and kind I, of the lens mm-hmm. that that I was looking through. Is is you know obviously Twitter came out what in two thousand. Nine. 2009. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So
0: I, I was... It only took them 12 years to ruin it. You know?
2: <laughs> right. I, I was 15 and on Twitter, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, there are those times where I get those Facebook reminders of like, you know, seven years ago, you said this. I'm like, Jesus, please don't tell me what I said when I was, you know, 15 and on the internet. Um, you know, so th- that's kind of the lens that I was looking through. Is is and maybe you don't have that, but what do you see with with people that might be my age? You know, I'm 25 now, but um, that you know had had these social media platforms when they were younger, maybe not thinking so much about what mm-hmm. they're posting and, and those things coming back now.
1: Well, they can come back to haunt you. I mean, as someone who hires now. We at LPL have an HR department. And they scan everybody's social media. And, and so we, I know. Yeah, we've we've not hired some people because of that. Well,
2: that's it's, what it's, I was just going to ask. So go is, back and delete
1: it. Go back and delete it all. I guess is my best. We yeah, if you can, if you you can, can, it's out there, you know. Mm
0: -hmm, Uh, We do we do the same thing, and I think that's just a commonplace now. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you're willing to go out there and throw it out there, then then you got to be willing to live by it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, let's shift gears just a little bit about and maybe talk about the current economy. So Mm -hmm. you know, obviously, by the time this airs, you know, it's will probably be a month or two out or something from uh, from today, which is uh, mid January of 2022. Um, We do have the midterm elections coming up, and obviously. Uh, Politics do matter when it comes to the economy, when it comes to inflation, Mm -hmm. when it comes to all these things, right? So physical policy, such and so forth, directly affects the markets. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Maybe you can give us some insights on on what you see happening currently, and then maybe uh, what we might see later on in the year as we get closer to the midterms.
1: Yeah, so currently, the good news, the U.S. consumer is about as healthy as they've been in a long time. Right. I mentioned debt and, and if you look at like, you know, credit card debt relative to net wealth, it's like near the lowest it's been in forty years. I mean they're five trillion. They're, Remember five trillion. There you go, five trillion, that's right. So they they're really the consumer is two thirds of the economy. You know, it is in a good shape. I mean, there's like almost $3 trillion in excess, sa- excess savings. $5 trillion. $5 trillion. <laughs> $5 <trillion. laughs> um, So, you know, they're, 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 you got the $5 trillion. But you also have consumers that are, that are truly in good shape. And businesses are in really good shape. We know the $30 trillion the government has. But again, those things should help drive us. We had probably about 6% GDP growth last year, 2021. The best year since 83. Now, that's because our economy shut down the year before and we got going. Um, but we think, you know, it's going to slow down a little bit this year. Yeah. Sure. Um, but we still should see above trend growth uh, this year and earnings. Last year came in really strong, S&P 500 earnings came in really strongly and we think once again it, that we could have a surprise to the upside with earnings and all of those things should help drive us. Now looking out longer term, this is more from an investment's point of view I guess we'll, we'll change gears for a second here. Um, historically, midterm years tend to be kind of volatile and choppy, right? Midterm years see a 17% peak to trough correction in the S&P 500 on average. That's the largest and it's again the first year of the presidency. Feeling good, maybe some policies go out there, but by the second year, things get a little tougher. And we think that makes a lot of sense this year with, the back, with all the things going on in Washington and how, how divided things can be. So it wouldn't be shocking to us after a 29% gain a 16% gain and a 27% gain on the S&P the last three years that we have a typical midterm year where things are volatile, things are kind of frustrating. But the good news, historically, once you make those lows in a midterm year, things do pretty well 12 months out. So that's where we have that plan in place ahead of time, um, that it, it could be a little little frustrating for investors this year versus what we've seen the last couple of years, but it's still going to be an opportunity in a major structural bull market in, in our opinion still.
0: Gotcha. Now, the, the United States economy uh, and our GDP and our, our production. I, I think something also, and I'd love to get your comments mm-hmm. on this. Uh, I really think people underestimate, you know, the creativity and the productivity and efficiencies that the American economy is experiencing. Yeah. I mean, we're still seeing the advent of the layering in of technology, computing power. I mean, we, we've got private companies putting people into space. I mean, you know, whoever, and landing back on, I mean, that's just amazing, right? So that kind of technology, that kind of basis, um, don't you think that that is really the root cause of the fact that, you know, that makes the American economy so resilient, even in in
1: deficit times and in in times that we've just seen with COVID? Uh, Absolutely. I, I joke, you know, maybe my wife locks herself out of the house. I can go on my phone in California, push a button, open the garage door. All right. I don't know how you find how how productive that is to the economy, but it sure saved a lot of headaches. Right. There are things we do that don't show we hear all productivity is kind of low. Again, yes, the numbers are, but it doesn't feel that low. Right. We are doing things now that we could have never done before that would have been a big, big headache down the road. And here's like an example I like to use. Do you know how much the Grand Canyon is worth? I don't know either. I don't how know How can
2: you put a price on you that?
1: That's my point. You don't price. know. You don't know. So our country is, has all, we got a lot of debt. But how much equity do we have? I don't know. I mean, we've got so many wonderful things in our country that you really can't put a price on. But again, I think the, the, the world is putting a price on by the confidence they continue to show um, to us. So the, the ingenuity and the adaptability that our, well, really the globe, but our country specifically showed during the pandemic to have the explosive earnings growth and the economy come back as quickly as we did. When you take a $21 trillion economy. And stop it like we did in 2020 for two months, and then tell it to get going again. There are going to be kinks. There's going to be problems. It, you know, it'd be like Scott if you and I went out and played flag football for 30 minutes, then we took a 20 minute break, and then got right up and started playing again. We would probably both pull. We'd be pulling, pulling ourselves. We, we'd be we be hurting ourselves. You know, that's <laughs> I, I would take what,
2: bets on not getting <laughs> up after
1: exactly. <laughs> that's kind of what our economy did. And, and yes, the inflationary issues are sticking around longer. The supply chain issues are probably sticking around longer than most. Just about everybody thought they would, but still. Um, We're still moving the right way. And that's just kind of the nature of shutting down a $21 trillion economy, the the impacts longer term that, well, nobody expected. You know, it forced
0: realities on the business community as well to make it more efficient. Yeah. Right? So working from home. Just think about it now. I mean, people are able to be wherever and work from wherever. So companies now are focused on finding the best people, not the ones that can drive 45 minutes to get to the office. Uh, We were able to take the bank in five days. And almost have every associate working remotely. Wow. Okay, so you know what the hindrance was in the past of us having people work remotely? It was supervisors that said, I couldn't supervise my people because they're not right here in front of me. I can't look over their shoulder and, and do such and so forth. So I think the adversity, uh, and, and specifically COVID, I think is, is uh, this pandemic is going to teach us enormous amount of lessons Uh, when it comes when we're gonna look back at this 10 20 years from now we're gonna say wow remember when we we were afraid to work from home we were afraid to do this it it, it leapfrogged I I really think it's leapfrogged uh, technology and efficiency by You know, every year, it seems like it's by two or three more years, you know, so I think this uh, pandemic has, has, as I know, in our industry, in the banking industry, it has catapulted technology by about five years, Mm -hmm. Uh, adoption of technology, asking questions about well, why do we do it like that. And and I think that's healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're able to have, you know, if we can ever get back to in America, where we can have discourse, right, where we can disagree and still agree uh, that we can disagree, and that's okay. Um, you know, I, I think that's what makes America great, right? Um, but I think we're just at a new dawn of that coming, where people understand that you can't censor folks. You can't – we have to ask those questions about, uh, about um, you know, our, our viability as a society. Who, you know, who are we really relying on? What are the most important things to us? You know, uh, not only until you face death and, and all these kind of different uh, – uh, divergent uh, messages. Do those uh, paths even come clear? But then you then you have you're brave enough to ask ask those questions and question what you're doing in the past to make it better for the future.
1: Uh, wonderfully said. There. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of add to that a little bit. Just the quality of life. You know, you can work from home, and instead of spending like in Charlotte, we got guys on our team that would, gals too that would take like an hour to get there, an hour and twenty. You're talking two and a half hours in your car. You don't have that problem anymore. Now you're home with your kids. You're helping a little bit more. You're, you're even more productive at work because you feel happier. You can take a day off. Not a day off. Wrong way to put it. You can work from home and no one looks at you funny. A few years ago, if you work from home, like you work from home. Where today, have you and, been? Yeah, what do you do? Oh, well, You got a you tan. Do? Yeah, what are you doing? But now it is It is. It is definitely, um, the pandemic was terrible and still is. I mean, But there have been some positives, and especially the financial industry, the way that we've, like you said, light years ahead, uh, the way that we communicate and leverage technology. And honestly, the financial industry has really done well in the midst of this pandemic.
0: Well, now, what, uh, you've done our, like I said, before we start off the, the podcast here, with uh, this is your fourth year doing uh, uh, the economic uh, uh, forecast here for us and, and coming and talking about the economy to the Heartland Bank and Heartland Planning Associates clients. What is it that keeps you coming back, and what do you enjoy most about the interaction with, uh, with Heartland?
1: I am a fan of what you guys have done. Right? We met in person, Scott, four years ago and you were looking at, you know, remember they had to
0: shut things. us up. Remember we kept talking back and forth and talking <laughs> about the economy. Right, and just, the head no. the, the, like the head dude yeah. at LPL is like, okay guys, you've yeah, we've gone on for 45 minutes. minutes. We need to get to another section. Of the uh, I
1: mean, be, but, you know, be, being an Ohio boy, first off, the connection is special to me. And in Columbus connection, growing up 45 minutes from Columbus, I mean that, that's, that's real too, but just, I love, um, you know, what you guys have done in four years, the growth you've had, the growth LPLs had been spectacular, but the growth you've had as well. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, just the you're a first-class corporation, first-class company. I love doing podcasts and videos, and I like you know, you have the event we're going to do later today is first-class as well, so that's all neat, and I'll be honest, it's a free trip home to Ohio. I hung out with my mom the other day. That's fun. You know, I don't always get to see my mom, so so it all works out, but at the end of the day it's about helping people, right? I mean, LPL, you know, we say our job is to help our advisors, help their clients, and and I I see how much you guys care about your clients and want to help them, And, and that is all I'm about. I try to help people more than anything in the world I know that's what you're doing so We're on the same level there, for sure.
0: Wonderful. Well, I appreciate those kind words, and it's always good to see you. Uh, Folks, check out Ryan Dietrich, uh, LPL Financial. He's on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, all the other social media sites until he gets canceled. No, I'm just kidding. No, he's not (laughs) going to get canceled. He plays the middle of the road uh, and uh, is always a good advocate here for uh, investors and for folks at Heartland Planning Associates and a great advocate here for Heartland Bank. Ryan, thanks for coming on and driving the bus. I
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Scott.